Welcome to the Carl Landry Record Club, music podcast from the rights to Ricky Sanchez. We normally do a couple of albums. It's me and Mootlu. And over the, if you're new, I always say if you're new to the pod, because I always feel like people are in and out based on, you know, what the pod's about. We do do occasionally a pod called uh, New Music Club with our friends uh, Jason and Andrew from Billboard. We are doing a new music club today, but it is only half the new music club as it's me and AU. Welcome, Andrew Underberger. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, regards from Jason, who uh, I'm sure wishes he could be here, but he's got he's got a lot going on these days. So uh, I'm just gonna have to represent myself this time. Yeah, what's his fucking right. deal, man? Man, he he's 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 a busy man. He's got he's got family stuff coming up. He's he, he's being pulled in a lot of directions. Takes him a while to get anywhere from New Jersey. You know, it's, it's <laughs> a it's a full schedule. Wait a minute, I'm in New Jersey. It, it oh. does take a while to get anywhere. Actually, we'll get into that in a in just a, a second. But so I appreciate you being on. Mootlu is actually on tour, which is why Mootlu okay. is not here. Mootlu is on tour with Amos Lee, and it became Mootlu is is. For a, he's about my age, maybe a couple of years younger. For a mid forties person, as unequipped to deal with technology as any person as I've I've ever met. No kidding. Yeah. So doing the podcast on the road, while all you would need is to bring his like microphone and laptop, is, is honest. I, finding the proper Wi Fi that is a little complicated, but he. Everything is set up for him at home, so he doesn't have to do anything other than go to the website. And I think anything more than that becomes really uh, emotionally draining for him. Uh, as someone who has a panic attack, when every time I have to set up for a podcast at home, I, I sympathize with his his plight on the road. I would also not want that kind of responsibility weighing on me. Well, unfortunately, and I have to apologize. I'm sure I've caused eighty seven percent of that no, panic. No, of course not. No. <laughs> so Andrew is the only other person in the world who is both a member of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez and Carl Landry Record Club podcast. So he is of anyone who could sit in for Mutlu and Jason AU is equipped. So New Music Club is when Jason slash AU bring me and Moot, a few new songs. We listen to them and talk about them. Before we get to them, so you brought three new songs uh, from uh, Kenya Grace, Home Is Where, and uh, how do you say Noah Kahan's last name? Noah Khan, I believe it is. Noah Khan. Khan. So three songs. Before we get to it, and I actually enjoyed all, all three of them. I, okay. okay. It, it almost seems as if you pick them, you pick like spike safe songs on some level. Well, I, when it's just me and you, I don't want to pick songs where like your only comment is, well, I don't really listen to rap anymore or, well, I didn't really understand what they were saying or like the song was too short or whatever. So like I, I at least I didn't know for a fact that you'd like all three songs, but I wanted to definitely choose three songs where there was at least a possibility of you having something to say and discuss about them. I have one specific take that you will feel is very spike-ish on one of the songs, which, Can't wait. which we'll get to. I wanted to mention and just ask you, uh, because this is my podcast, I can talk about things in my life. I went to Ethel Kane was someone who I was turned on to by a listener. Where I'm 
So the way we do the podcast normally is Moot or I pick an album and a listener picks an album. And probably a year ago, somebody sent in Preacher's Daughter by Ethel Kane and Moot and I loved it, but the album and Ethel Kane became probably my favorite new artist since I discovered Wild Pink four or five years ago. Wow, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, the more I listen to that record and her music and the accompanying sort of, which I noticed, which I'll get into in a second, but like the accompanying sort of like world and vibe and imagery that comes with yes. it, which I think there's, there's is, a whole mythology there, sure. Yeah, is really cool. And I've also sort of gotten to the place where I can't tell, I took everything on its face when I, started listening as all true. But now as I've gotten into it, I wonder how much of it is character. And, and I say that complimentary, that not, not, not to be insulting and saying you're lying about who you are or, or what you are. But so I went to see Ethel Kane at Basilica Hudson and the show was amazing. Uh, the, the very short story about the show is I was going to see her at the Bowery maybe a year ago, and I had tickets and I couldn't go. Bowery Ballroom is a, a venue in New York, maybe 1,200 people, maybe Bowery is, something like that. Yeah, something like that. So the, a, show, a New York show popped up. The name of the place said Hudson. I work on Hudson Street near the <laughs> Hudson River. I assume the entire time that the venue, and, and by the way, this, the show sold out in like two seconds. There were no tickets on resale. I saw two tickets. The pair was $845 the day before the show. Jesus. Well, she used a, an app called Dice, which makes, so if I wasn't familiar with it, but it basically makes secondary market impossible right. uh, because you need the app to get in. You can't really transfer tickets that way. So it becomes really difficult. So anyway, the day before I was in a work a meeting. At, so somebody at work, my friend Jess helped me and Jackie, hi Jackie, helped me buy tickets directly from the promoter. It took a few weeks. They said, it's so sold out. We don't even know if we can sell you a pair. They sell me a pair. The day before the show, I'm in a meeting with Jess and she says to me, hey, when's that, that concert you were gonna go to? I said, ah, it's tomorrow night. I think I'm gonna get a hotel room in the city so I don't have to deal with the Lincoln, the Holland Tunnel being closed at 11 o'clock. And she like raises her eyebrow at me and she says, the city? And I said, yeah. And she goes, I, she picks up her phone and she shows the Google Maps thing. <laughs> and she goes, that venue's really far away. Turns out it was, there was another Hudson Mm, Hudson, New York, yeah, which is two and a half hours away. In my new era of not missing things, just because I'm tired, I said, I'm going anyway. I drove up there. The show was absolutely fantastic. The venue, if you ever get a chance to see a show there, is really neat. It is a uh, sort of like a, it seems like a place that hipsters would have a wedding. Okay. Very high ceilings. Looks like a barn from the outside, but very like cool, spooky vibes, you know, like very, very cool. A lot of different rooms, really, really neat venue. I don't think they have a lot of shows there anyway. The show was amazing. I guess all that to say, go listen to Ethel Kane. I was wondering also if you had seen any good shows lately. Uh, well, there, uh, nothing especially recently. One show I went to a couple of months ago, I'll, I'll talk about a little bit more when we're, when we're talking about some of these songs. Okay. Uh, I did go to see, along with, I guess, every other white millennial in the tri-state area, I went to see the uh, the Postal Service Death Cab for Cutie 20th anniversary tour. Ah, my friend Christine <laughs> saw that.
how was it? It was good. It, you know, I'm not like a huge fan. Like, I, I wouldn't make the effort to see either individually, but the fact that they were touring these two albums together, I mean, it's the only Postal Service album, but whatever. Like, like they, they, I, I, I wouldn't go under any other circumstances aside from this like one exact thing because that is my favorite Death Cab album and whatever. It's obviously the only the only Postal Service album. So uh, it, it was cool because it, it definitely felt like two very distinct bands playing on top of one another. I, I, I was not prepared for how much more into uh, the Postal Service people were going to be than Death Cab. Death Cab were definitely very clearly the openers. Hmm. I think a bit people, some people sang along and whatever, but everyone was seated for their entire show. There, there wasn't like any one song that got like a tremendous pop. I think that's the better album of the two, but the, uh, the postal service songs actually probably sound a little bit better live. Uh, and obviously people love that fucking album, even though I think the second half, it's kind of corny and silly, but, uh, it, it's got some, some bangers on it, obviously. And it, it, I've never felt quite so targeted, like demographic wise as being at the show. Uh, <laughs> And like I, I kind of want to say, like it's not really my thing, but whatever. I guess it's close enough, so I, 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 can't, I can't act like I'm above the fray there. Yeah, if you chose to go to it, and the, they the, choose to go to it, and I am not millennial, I am Gen X. But to your point, I am. So I was working in an alternative radio when Death Cab and Postal Service were both big. You know, oh six, oh seven. That was a that was a, a time when when that was a, a thing. But when that show, but I would not. And I have, I love, I like, like, I like the Postal <laughs> Service record. There are Death Cab songs that I am good with, that I, that I'm fine, that I like. But, but when that tour popped up, my first inclination is to say, wow, that's really neat. I want to go to that. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a good idea, you know? Yeah. And I'm not surprised that people, well, and I, I don't know, but my sense is, is that people's opportunity to see the Postal Service songs live They've, yeah. they've not had very many opportunities, so they've been waiting 15 years or how many 20, you know, however many years it's been since that record came out. They've been waiting to go and see those songs live. So Yeah, there was one reunion tour, but even that was like a decade ago at this point. So, yeah, it's a fair point for sure. It's, uh, a, it's funny. I think we did give up on the Carl. We did. Going back to that album, I don't have as specific a critique as you do. But I do, going back to that album, when I listen to it, think to myself, eh, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but I loved it at a time in my life, but it, it hasn't stood the test of time for me. It's, uh, it's always been like a little too far for me. Like it, I, I can I can take Ben Gibbard up to a certain point and then he kind of goes over the line on that album. The first two songs are the two like famous songs. And like I, I kind of thought like, oh, once we get past that at the show, the rest of this is going to be kind of ass. But uh, it, it, they actually like they, they really beef up the arrangements for a couple of the, the slighter songs in the second half. And it was a really good show. I'm not I'm not I'm definitely like glad that I went. But it, it's it, it is strange to me that this album is, has become kind of one of the albums for, for people my age. It's sort of like a defining generational sort of album, even though I think there's only really like three or four good songs on it. Did I ever tell you my Ben Gibbard story? Did I ever Don't tell us? So. No. Okay. Then quick, then we'll get to the three songs. Are you okay <laughs> with the story? It's Please, kind of yeah, funny. no. So I mentioned that Death Cab was a thing when I was working at in Chicago at Q101, and Lollapalooza was in Chicago at the time, as it still is. And one of the promotions we did was behind one of the stages, we set up a smaller, like acoustic stage where the artists that we <coughs> we were playing or the artists that we got agreed to would do, <coughs> excuse me, a three or four song acoustic set for a collection of winners 
at, at like, you know, so one of them was death cap. Mm. So we set up the stage and when it was time for death cab, who was performing at the stage across Ben something Ben hmm. Queller or Harper or Lee. Maybe it was or? Ben Harper. Maybe it was Ben Harper. Okay. Somebody will go back and check for sure. But Ben Harper was playing. It was, you could hear it where we were, but it wasn't distracting to me. Death cab decides it's too loud. They're not performing. So the record label person, Steph Hardy, who I don't think works in, who had a, a bit of a, I like Steph. We had a bit of a contentious relationship. I do think <laughs> it was because when I got hired to do the job, I was replacing her husband, which oh. was weird. Yeah, but his career's been great so far and afterwards. Everything's gone fine. Anyway, so we're there and she goes, they can't, they're not playing. It's, it's too loud. And I said, they have to play. We agreed they would play. We have the winners here. They have to play. She goes, they're not playing. And she goes, I said, you have to. And she goes, what do you want me to do? And I said, your job. And she hit me in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> she hit me. And then had the nerve on Monday to call my boss, Mike Stern, and complain about my behavior. Mm. And I said to Mike, she hit me physically. So afterwards, we got Ben Gibbard to agree to do a small piano-only performance for those winners in a recording studio close. Very cool, yeah. All I can say, and he performed and he was great, is he was very weird, barely acknowledged the crowd. Like maybe he has some sort of like social anxiety or something. And instead of signing stuff for people afterwards, just signed like 50 pictures and we gave them out to everybody so he wouldn't have to. <laughs> That's more efficient, I guess. I, well, he, he, he uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's the, uh, the, you know, the maturing he's done over the, the decade and a half since, but, uh, but Ben Gibbard seemed a, a, a decently comfortable presence on stage at Madison Square Garden. So that, that, that's a pretty big stage. So if he can do it there, he can probably do it anywhere. Uh, but I, I do look forward to this podcast uh, reigniting the 15-year the dormant feud between you and Steph Hardy. I hope she's <laughs> listening now and uh, it's going to come back and hit you in the chest again. I actually like I enjoyed that she hit me honestly I did such a great story and mm -hmm. she was obviously so mad at me for saying that and it was a different time in my life where it takes a long time for me to get ramped up to saying something so <laughs> shitty and dismissive to somebody sure. but but at that time I felt like I had to prove myself I had to make it happen anyway time for new music club why don't we start with with the Noah Khan song So uh, I guess before we really get into Noah Khan, how familiar are you with, with Zach Bryan as like a, a current figure in popular music? It's interesting you say. I was only f I was only familiar in that I knew what his name was mm -hmm. and that everyone liked him. And then regular listener of the pod, actually the suggester of Gang of Youths for the original Carl Landry, or one of the original Carl Landry Record Club, John, Told, sent, me a, sent me a note and he said, I know you don't like country, 
but this guy, blah, 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 you should listen to this album. And I went and I, I got three songs in. And oh, wow. I was just like, it just sounded too country to me. There is something that, it's the sort of, Zach Bryan is a sort of country that everyone wants to sort of clear themselves, clear their conscience of that they're listening to country by saying, you know, it's not really country. And I listened to it for four seconds and I was like, I have no problem liking a country song if I like mm -hmm. it, but it did not connect with me though. I do not have an issue with it. I don't dislike it, but I am aware of the size of him and it. Yes. Uh, so yeah, he is an absolutely enormous singer songwriter, uh, really kind of already one of the, the biggest new artists of this decade. Uh, Eagles fan too. Uh, yes, spent some time I knew in the Philadelphia area. Yeah, I knew and that, he's, yeah. he's coming back. He's playing the link in, a, in a, I think early next year, um, and he has sort of been at the forefront of this pretty pretty gigantic shift in in popular music and in country music specifically. Uh, I, I I think it's kind of arguable whether or not he created the shift himself or if he's just the biggest beneficiary of it. Mm. But country has you know it's, it's long sort of in the province of the Nashville tastemakers and the things that the stuff that they play on radio and you can't really get big in country outside of the machine. At least, at least there's like a cap on how big you can get. And he's sort of proving that that's not true because he's, he's doing it with this very, very rootsy sound, very kind of rock based sound. There's a little folk, there's a little, there's, you know, there, 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 there's, there's a lot going on in there. Uh, and he's doing it entirely outside of the machine. He has no radio support basically at all. Uh, he's, he's pretty fiercely independent. Uh, he's, he's, already fought with Ticketmaster. He's, he's capitulated a little bit on that one and, and some other things, but, uh, they always he, do. They always do. He, he, he's, yeah. he's kind of an outlaw, a country outlaw without like any actual outlawness. Like he yeah. got into a, a fight with the cops a couple months ago, but he like went online and apologized afterwards that. and like yeah. tried to, you know, express his admiration for the force and stuff like that. So, but, but he kind of gets to have it both ways because like they're still shelling t-shirts of like, his mugshot. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you'll see that on the, on that t-shirt website that you go to uh, soon enough. Uh, so he's, he's kind of represented this very big change in, in, in country music and, and what's, what's able to become popular there. And one of the sort of next people along has been this guy, Noah Khan, who's not, not really a country artist. He's more, more in the sort of folk, alt folk lane, yeah. but he has, I think a very similar skill set. He's a really sharp songwriter. He's a pretty big personality and he's, he's, he's built an audience over TikTok and over social media. Uh, that's pretty pretty considerable already. Like I I hadn't even heard of this guy until I think midway through last year. He had a song called Stixies, and that was starting to creep up some of the charts. And you, you look at his numbers, and he's already so massive. But in, in, in a way that I'd never even he had never been on my radar before. But he'd already built up this very very large fan base, and it's only gotten bigger in the last year or so. And uh, he 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 had the album Stick Season, which was the song Stick Season was on, and he really he re-released that album this year with uh, seven or eight or nine uh, new bonus tracks on it. One of them was this song called Dial Drunk, which he'd been teasing on TikTok, which we've probably talked about before on here. Is sort of the way to kind of create anticipation for a song so that when it when it debuts now, uh, it debuts like it's already a hit. And that's basically what happened here. He, this this song was already like a top forty charting single, uh, despite this guy having a sound that would have been total anathema on the radio even three or four years ago. Uh, and I, I saw him at Radio City Music Hall, I think in July, and his audience is a pop audience. It's, it's, it's a very young, very female, very, very passionate, uh, knows all the words to all the songs, and he's coming back in a couple, maybe early next year, actually. Uh, he's coming back and he's going to play MSG. Uh, and I think he's going to be pretty soon one of the, like, the 10 to 20 biggest names in all popular music. Uh, so that's him. The, the song itself, I think, is just a really good song. I think it's a, it's a, it's a great chorus. It's got a great sort of driving energy to it. It's it's 
lyrically detailed, but not in a way that's so specific that that it's not accessible to everybody. Uh, this isn't necessarily the kind of music that I, I often gravitate towards. It, it's, I, I do get a little of that kind of Mumford P- PTSD uh, from from when they were they were the biggest band in the world and, and they had a million followers that were also really popular. Uh, I, I didn't think I would be ready necessarily to embrace an alt folk act like this again, but I think he's a really good songwriter. I, I think the songs kind of get in there in a way that that's that's pretty special. Uh, I enjoyed seeing him live. He's actually a really funny presence as well. He's Jewish. Shout out! Shout out to to you know, shout Jews, to Jews. And popular music. Yeah, yeah, love that. Um, and yeah, so so what, what was your take on this song? So my first gut was, oh, it sounds like Country Mumford and Sons was the the first thing to me. But I did well, hear the Mumford and Sons thing. It's obviously a really good song. I thought the lyrics. All I could think about with the lyrics is like, man, I can imagine these are so universal and well written that I can manage, I could imagine a giant crowd of people. And I thought about females specifically screaming the lyrics to these, to, to this song. I mean, just something about, you know, proud of the punches I've already thrown in the name of somebody I don't know anymore and yada, yada, yada. And the whole, I, the whole idea of dialing somebody drunk, I thought was, um, was pretty universal. It, it's good. I, a, f- a friend of mine has been telling me about Noah Khan for three or four years now. And I wow, never, okay. Yeah, well, works in the industry. Uh, works. Well, promoting, so do I, but I didn't know no, about him three or four years ago. promoting Noah Khan. Works promoting ah. Noah Khan. So, uh, so just saw it coming for, more, for a while. I never saw it specifically, but I can certainly understand why it's big. It doesn't, this, Mumford & Sons isn't one of those, is like, is one of those sounds that, is obviously undeniable when you hear it. It's good. It's obviously good. It doesn't connect with me specifically. It did. I mentioned that one of the songs was going to spark sort of a spike thought in that this is not meant to make, make it sound as if any of these songs are written disingenuously at all. But there's something about the internet and the ability to see what works and what doesn't that has created more good songs and less great songs, I think, in that there's a way to, like before, if you wanted to write a popular song, you could look at the popular songs and hear them, but it was much more difficult to figure, to do it, I guess. And, you know, like a great songwriter was, and you could hear it when, when people would make fun of songs that were obviously popular and be like, oh, that's easy. I could do that. Like, no, you can't. It's very, very hard. But I think there's something about the way that digital media works and the way that they're able to sort of really, really get to the heart of what works and what doesn't that m- does actually make it a little bit easier to write a song that is consumable as good. And... I think that may sidetrack people a little bit in that I understand if you want it to be your career. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying this about this artist, but it, it did make me think about it that, oh, this is good. And I hear a lot of songs that are good, but I, it, it's a lot to wade through to get something that is special. And I, I think there is something about having all of that information that maybe makes it a little bit easier to make something that... Um, that connects on a very surface level, but maybe a little bit harder to make something 
sort of important or, uh, or lasting, if that makes any sense. No, I think that actually that's actually a really really good point. I mean, you know, it's obviously a little oversimplified. And there, there's still yes. great stuff out there as 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 much as there is subpar stuff out there. And, yeah. and TikTok market testing doesn't necessarily eliminate either of those things. But you're right that the fact that these artists can not only like get the sense from yeah, you know, I guess previously artists would get the best sense of how their songs were working from playing them live and right. seeing what the crowd reaction was. And now the fact that they can kind of like test not only songs, but like parts of songs. You can, you can play like 10 seconds of a song and then you hear these horror stories about, oh, well, you know, uh, we, we tried a couple 10 second snippets and they didn't really pop off. And so this song is just never going to see the light of day. And like even like writers who worked on that song might not get paid off that song because it's only going to, you know, it's going to lie dormant in, in uh, someone's, you know, on someone's computer forever and never actually make, you know, its, its full impression on fans. I don't think that's a good thing. I, I don't think it's good that, people's advanced impressions of, of like parts of a song are determining what does and doesn't get released. But I think you're right that you, you do get more kind of hits that are already proven by the time that they're, they, like I said, they're, they're hits before they even come out. And, and so they, they have to be of a certain level of quality regardless. And you also, it's, it's also so much harder to make a song a hit after the fact Right. Because the sort of promotional tools that used to exist, even in just in terms of like getting a song on the radio, that doesn't necessarily make for a hit song anymore. You can have a song that plays on the radio for weeks and months and, and still nobody really streams it and that, that, that doesn't make it a hit song. Uh, so, yeah, there's definitely good and there's bad that comes with it. And I, I agree with you. This is more of a very, very good song than like a transcendent song. And not uh, every song has to be transcendent for what it's No, worth. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. for sure. But it, it is cool that this song exists and is, is as popular as it is. And uh, I don't know if you saw while looking it up or anything, but you know that there's like already a Post Malone remix of the song that's also very popular? Yeah, I, well, so I purposely don't research any of these, but when you just type it into Spotify, sure. it shows up. Yeah, the, the uh, what was I going to say? I wanted, oh, the 10 second thing is interesting because the, the immediate thing that popped into my head is that when I worked in music radio, when you do research on songs, you play them seven to 10 second hooks. That's what you do. Yeah. But the difference is, is you're, if you know, you're not asking somebody, you, we weren't using that research to find out about a song that people didn't know. I, I guess when, 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 when I would ask, when I would tell people about that, they'd be like, well, how is somebody supposed to know if it's a good song or not? from seven seconds. I said, that's not what we're doing. If you like right. a song and I play you seven seconds of it, you will know what that song is. And you can get, if you know the song already, you will be able to give me your reaction on that song. If I play you an eight or 10 seconds song clip of something that you already know, if they don't know it, it would have come back unfamiliar. And mm. then we would say, Oh, nobody knows it. You know, whatever the idea of testing songs prior to their release with seven or 10 seconds is that is what I'm talking about, about sort of the gamifying of, of this stuff where what you're testing is like, is something, is something a little bit different. You're testing its ability to test, not its ability beyond that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, yeah. And not only that, but you know, when you're doing these radio call out tests, like you're the one who's doing them. It's not the artists themselves. These times right. it's the artists themselves doing right. their own market testing. And I can't even imagine how that begins to fuck up the artistic process when yeah. you're listening to everything that you're, you're listening back to everything you're writing, thinking, uh, what, what are people going to play? What are people going to think of the song when I share 10 seconds of them? And, right. and it's not just like you're getting a report from your manager weeks later. That alone, I'm, that, that, that in itself, I'm sure is difficult enough, but to, to get these sort of real time responses to your, to your own tests, I, I, 
I, I, I do sympathize for artists who have to who have to kind of promote their music this way in 2023. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you've talked to and I know plenty of artists and it's a not that it was an easy world 20 years ago but mm. at all like it wasn't easy then but i i do think it was probably a little less complicated you know and but the that this is the you know you run into it i run into it this is the issue with making your art commerce this is yes. this is the idea of doing something that you love for a living this is what if, if you want it to work and you want it to pay your bills that, that everyone runs into that. So, but it's a cool 100%. song. And I, I was sort of vaguely aware of Noah Khan before, but it's a, certainly a cool song. Why don't we do the obviously most AU song of the three, the, the home is where song. Sorry, yeah. What was the title of the song? It was uh, Yes, Yes, A Thousand Times Yes. Yeah. It's, I heard 10 seconds of it. I was like, ah, this is the AU song of the group. Cool song. So why don't you tell me about it? Yeah, this this is my favorite band of this decade, uh, for sure. Wow. Uh, at least they have a favorite band that, that that I had not heard before this decade. Uh, they released an, an EP slash mini album. I don't, I don't know how to classify it. Uh, a few years ago called I, Beca- I Became Birds. And that... Like I, I don't, I don't hear a lot of albums now where like two or three songs into it, I'm like, I, okay, this is going to be one of my favorite albums, maybe ever. Uh, that that's that's not really. How, I, I don't really listen to albums anymore, even hoping to get that sensation. It's just, it's just you know, the older you get, the rarer that feeling is, and uh, yeah. it, it's it's just not something that you know. I, I'm, I'm more listening to music out of curiosity, and I say songs that I like, and and I, I I do connect with some artists, but it's rare that I have that kind of like. 15 year old connection with music now yeah and that's fine i, I, don't, I don't think that's unnatural i don't, I don't I'm, I'm not even depressed by that i still love music and i still love songs but i just don't necessarily connect to artists that way anymore but this this home is where i certainly did they're they're a sort of an emo folk punk band i guess it's, it's hard to describe them in more in, in fewer than you know three genres uh from florida uh this is their i can't remember if it's their first official full-length album but it's certainly the one where they, they've been on you know the most sort of people's radar uh it's an album called the whaler it's sort of a like a post 9-11 concept album there's a song on that album that's literally called every day is like 9-11 uh i i don't i haven't dived too deep into like i don't don't, there's like there's not like a, a narrative or like a coherent story there necessarily but it's more just a thematic thing uh but they're a really really interesting band with a really really distinctive voice uh both in the sort of literal sense in that the, the singer Brandon McDonald uh, her she's a trans woman her her voice is, is very obviously immediately recognizable uh, and very powerful but also just the the approach of it is is something new I think uh, it's, it's, it's sort of a blend of uh, like like a, a there's emo it's, it's sort of rooted in emo but there there's a sort of folk mythology to it and there's a, there's world building the way you were talking we were talking about Ethel Kane uh, I think at the beginning of this episode and, the, and the, there's sort of like there's you feel like there's a larger universe that this music exists in uh, which I think is really really cool um, and this song is just a great song uh, it, it, it's got incredible riffs it's got 
very evocative lyrics and some of the imagery is really pretty gruesome, but it, it's, 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 it's powerful. And there's, a, I, I love it when songs switch up halfway through to a different song entirely. Yeah. And the, like the second song is, 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 is even better than the first one. And I love it even more when they come back to the first song as a little coda at the end. Uh, this song does so many things like that, that I just love when songs do. And it, it's a really, really, really powerful new voice in, in rock music. And, it, and this gets me excited about rock in a way that, you know, again, not, not many bands can in, in 2023. It is a cool song. I thought the, the, the immediate place, I do this all the time and I feel like it is good for music consumers and artists hate it. But as soon as I hear an artist, I start putting it into a world. X, of, me, X meets Y or whatever. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I, I have apologized to every artist that has hated it, but I have communicated to them that it doesn't, I think the initial instinct is I am myself. I am not this other thing and I'm not ripping off this other thing. That's not, it's not what it means. It, it means as, as, but as people consume music, I think they naturally put it in a place of something that they already know. So I put it in the world of Hotelier. I, was a a band that like the the immediate aesthetics of the music I did not like and it was part of part of what I didn't like was the the singer but then I found it catching in my head when I when I wasn't listening to it when I after the first time I listened to it and I was like oh maybe I do like this and I went back to it and I like it and I think some of the most unique voices maybe not the the best voices but you know from a classic singing perspective but the most unique voices are ones that are different and unconventional in a way that maybe isn't immediately sort of good you know in, in the in that way and i thought that this singer was the same way and then the way that it it's really three songs almost it, yeah. it really switches up two separate times when it it's sort of in that real hotel your park pocket for the first two minutes of the song and then it turns into just a just sort of like over the top rock song in the middle of it. I mean, it is a, a banger. It is a really aggressive in a lot of ways, not aggressive in a heavy metal way, but in sort of an emotional release way that I found. And then at the end of it for, I don't know how long, maybe a minute or something, it's almost like it runs out of energy in a, in a good way. It's like, I've expended all of this emotional energy and now I'm going to bring you home with this quiet part almost. I thought it was really cool. And the, you know, the, the I find it very interesting to go and read the lyrics of trans singers actually, because, and you know, Laura Jane Grace, uh, you know, against me was one that was particularly interesting to go and read the lyrics from prior to transition and see what she was battling beforehand. And I think that, you know, a hundred Gex was an, another one. There's a song called Dumbest Girl Alive that, that like really attacks that sort of stuff. <laughs> If you think I'm stupid now, you should see me when I'm high 
think is actually some of the more effective, emotional, sometimes gruesome in a almost necessary way to get across the the chaos that they have lived with at, at a certain point. I think the lyrics of this song does it as well, you know? Yeah, and, and you can feel you can feel the dysphoria in the music too, and that, that's that's part of why they, they, they sort of have these shape shifting songs, I think. And, and yeah. it's, I mean, you, you don't want to ascribe everything to, to that sort of simple pathology. I mean, more more complex people than that, more complex artists than that. But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely informs the music, it definitely informs the lyrics, and you know, we, we were talking about songs that are are good but not great, and songs that are transcendent. To me, this is a song that's transcendent, and, yeah. and this is this is an artist like that. And and the ho- it's funny that you mentioned the hotel here because. I don't know if that was like the, the the most recent album that was like that for me, but that was another one of those albums where it's like, okay, the, the, this album is going to be with me forever. Uh, goodness, yeah. their their most recent album, uh, and and I, I I definitely get that same feeling listening to the Whale, listening to I Became Birds, and then just just a, a, a really great new artist. I'm, I'm I'm super excited that they exist. And yes, uh, you don't want to ascribe every feeling they have to the the fact that they they are trans, but lyrics like. Trading flesh for flypaper and armed to the dentures, we don a regalia of useless genitalia. Like, what a line, man! What a yeah. fucking lyric. Ugh. That's what she's writing about. Like, that, that, it is impossible to to take that lyric any other way than for sure, yeah. than what it is for sure. And by the way, in the same way that I remember, and we did the podcast together. I should republish it maybe on the Carl if I have it somewhere after. Chester Bennington died going back through his lyrics over the years and realizing what he was dealing with. You don't want to ascribe every line he writes about light and darkness to, to that, but it certainly informs you in a different way when you go back and you listen to those things. So the third one was Kenya Grace and the song is strangers. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I don't have as much to say about this artist. This is a, still a pretty new artist, and this this is her first kind of big song, and it's it's taking off uh, right now. Actually, I think it debuted on the Hot 100 this very week. Um, but it's sort of the way you, uh, I can't talk about Noah Khan without talking about Zach Bryan. I can't really talk about Kenya Grace without talking about Pink Panthers. Well, I'm pretty sure it was an artist that I brought to a previous episode of this show, maybe about a yep. year ago. I think uh, I think the song was called Pain. That was that was her sort of first big song, uh, and that song. I think y- your comment on it was like, "It sounds cool, but like, where's the song song? Like, it, it ends yeah. like it, 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 that. That song was only about ninety seconds long, I think, and uh, you you were more dissatisfied with that than I was. Uh, I'll be curious what your take on this song is because this this sort of takes the sound of Pink Panthers, who who has since become even more popular. She had a, an absolutely enormous hit earlier this year, the song called "Boys a Liar." Uh, and that that song and, and Pink Panthers in general has sort of proven to be a, a kind of an, another one of these sort of big shifts in pop music, where now there's a lot of artists right now like Kenya Grace who are, are building really big audiences and having pretty big hits, with a so- the sound that's kind of like a more full bodied version of the Pink Panthers sound, where it's 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 very turn of the century British uh, dance music and sort of like genres like uh, garage and drum and bass and, and two step. 
And it, the, the beats don't necessarily overpower the songs, which are still very like moody and, and evocative and and often very kind of kind of writerly in, in a way that the, those those pop songs from 25 years ago weren't necessarily. Uh, but this song, I think, is really cool. Um, it's, 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 it does feel like a very, very full pop song. The lyric is a really interesting lyric about kind of you know, being hesitant to get into relationships when you know that they're just going to end. And, it, it, you know, that, that, that's not necessarily a new theme in pop music, but the, the phrasing of it and in the chorus especially is, is really pretty clever, I think. Uh, and I'm just excited to see music like this kind of impacting the U.S. mainstream. I mean, it, it's, it's been a while a- since... What level hit is this song in the U.S.? So uh, it, I think it debuted. I, I, I can't remember exactly where, but I think somewhere in the low seventies this week. But it's it's rising and it's rising really quickly. Okay. Uh, and and it's it's a much bigger song internationally, and it's 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 a sort of a runaway TikTok hit in, in the set in the on the level where like. I saw this the sort of the early metrics for the song. I was like, "Whoa, where, where did this song come from?" Like, usually songs don't get this popular this quickly unless there's like a really specific reason why. And in this case, there really isn't that reason. I mean, it, it's, it's popular on TikTok for for reasons you know beyond my, my understanding because I don't I don't go there very often. But uh, it's it's not like a, a viral hit for any particular novel reasons or like it wasn't used in a big sync somewhere. There's no major trend associated with it, but it's just a good song. And this is the, this is the kind of good song that seems to be connecting with a lot of people right now. And I, I'm, I'm pretty excited by that. You get to the TikTok thing in a second because I do use TikTok a good bit. I discovered I like it, but uh, it. Oh, that, it I, I want to hear more about that. That's yeah, interesting. It, it's interesting in in the, the, the different waves that it seems to take me, I would be interested to look at my personality or what I was going through at the time. And then what TikTok was actually feeding me, not, not to make me some way, but maybe it was following me. But anyway, I really enjoyed this song. I, it did not hit me on first listen. I didn't dislike it, but it didn't hit me, but I went to listen to it a couple of times and it, it exists to me in sort of this like, alt pop or alt dance space like this moody it reminds me of the last weekend album in a way in that it is it felt dark and spacey but also poppy and light at the same time and i thought about it, it honestly made me think about robin a little bit more than but i wouldn't think about pink panthers because that song didn't stick to me in any way. So okay. I, it, it doesn't, that isn't a, a reference point that I really understand. But I, I also like her, just her vocal delivery in two things. First of all, I like when you can hear somebody sing with an accent. I've always liked it. And she doesn't have a heavy accent. And I can't tell where she's from, whether it's like a English or South African or something like that. But there is like a, or Australian, there is a twin. I, I, I can tell you, she, she, she's from Southampton, but she's born in South Africa. So it, it, it is half South Africa, half, half British. So. Oh, there you, there, go. there, so, there you go. Yeah. And then, and then the, the other thing is this sort of, like light whisper to the delivery I think is really cool and adds to the mood of the entire thing. And I remember mm. listening, I assume it's the last weekend album, the one with where he's driving, he's something Don, FM. What Don was FM, it? Yeah. 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 That, that's the only weekend album I've ever listened to, but I re I, it didn't stick to me. I don't listen to it ever, but I loved how moody and sort of yeah. dark it was while still being, bright and poppy in, in its like sounds and texture somehow. And I really like this. I was hoping when I listened to it and I purposely, again, I do not read anything, but I was like, I hope she's got other stuff because I would like to listen to it. 
Yeah, and I, I don't really know her catalog very well beyond this one song yet. But uh, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Dawn FM is sort of like a driving album. If you uh, if you go on the YouTube for this music video, I think I think she's driving in the video, and all of the comments are about like what a great nighttime drive song this is. Yeah, and you, you, you can see it; yeah. it makes sense, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can hear it. You can, and those are some of the the best. We talk about on the Carl all the time is sometimes with songs and albums, I will describe what I see when I hear it. And there are cheap ways to do that, but there are awesome ways to do that too. And if that is just naturally something that you're feeling and seeing when you're listening to it, that's an amazing achievement with music, I think, to make you feel a certain way, you know, I, I, to make you see and like in a world that they've created, even without saying it. There's nothing about the lyrics, I think, that even say anything like that, but you end up feeling like you're in that world. No, and that, that, I think that's why the song is connected as, as quickly and, and as sort of, you know, far reachingly as it has, because it does have that sort of immediate feeling to it. And people people love that feeling. And, that, and that's a cool thing. And I, I, I hope the song continues to grow. And I hope we get more like it. So your thing about the music thing, my initial instinct was, well, I don't get any of these songs in my TikTok. It never happens. But okay. sometimes it does. And it'll come and go as to whether it's doing it for me. Like there was a song called Area Codes by Callie. Got a white boy on my roster. He be feeding me pasta and lobster. He just hit me up on Tuesday like, what's doing, babe? Let me take you shopping. I told him, well, I'm a little busy. He said, damn, I'm in your city. But anyway, it's okay. Hope you have a good day. I'm going to see you by day 50. Then I told him, you treat me so well. He said, cash out, Pazelle. Matter of fact, scratch that. I'm going to see you a stack just because you fine as hell. And I told him, well, thank you, baby. Anything for my favorite lady. Well, I got to go. They just let me know that I could pick up my Mercedes. I got hoes. Different areas. Sure, yeah. It was, it, earlier, it was all over TikTok. And it was just, first it was girls singing, uh, got a white boy in my lobster, he'd be feeding me pasta and lobster, da 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 da. And I was like, oh, I liked it. Like, I liked it. And I went and I downloaded the song. And, or I went and I, I added it to my Spotify. I kept listening to it. Right. But then it became a thing where women were taking the lyrics and just saying them to family members as if they were a story, which is also a very funny trend that I enjoyed very much. Um, but now I don't get songs at all. And I, I feel like I go through stages where I will get songs a lot and then I won't get songs at all. And I wonder if it has any, I'm sure it has something to do with my behaviors. The app is mining my brain for what I want at the <laughs> time, but, but I, I, I haven't gotten any in a while. Yeah. I I'm sort of in an interesting place with TikTok. I'm probably one of the very few people on the planet that feels guilty for not using TikTok more because I, for my job, I really oh, yeah. should because, yeah. because it, it is a thing, you know, this is the most important sort of arena for popular music right now. It's more important than radio. It's more important than like streaming playlisting or, or even festivals, things like that. Like this, this is where hits are made right now is through TikTok. But the, the the thing that TikTok does for people is the opposite of what I want. TikTok is all about like, what do you want? Like, let's, let's make this algorithm as specific to you as humanly possible. What I want is just show me like the exact aggregate medium of what everybody else wants. Right. I want to know like what's popping right now, but I don't want it to inform my taste in the slightest. I just want to have like, a, I want to be able to sort of read it like I would read a newspaper, you know, like yeah. just what's going on right now. And I don't think that there's necessarily a way to do that, uh, which is one of the reasons why I don't really go on there very often. The other reason is because you can't do it with the sound off. And I'm 
pretty close to literally always listening to music, either for my own purposes mm. or for my job or something like that. So I, I can't really do, I can't do second screen activities that, that require sound, which is why like I watch sports on mute most of the time. Uh, so I, I but I, I feel bad because like I, I feel like like being a music writer who doesn't go on TikTok is like like 20, 30 years ago being a music writer who doesn't watch MTV. Like you just can't really be that informed with what's going on without be having a pretty good understanding of, of the TikTok landscape. So on some I, level, but that's, this is the good thing about having about working at a place where I have much younger coworkers who can yes. tell me like, oh, this is why, this is that, and, and like that's great. Well, the older you get, that's what you start doing. That's what yep. I've started doing. You just surround yourself with people who fill in the blanks that you can't fill in anymore. And Amen. to your point, I don't know if it would be possible for you. You would have to make an active decision because you can't set, or as far as I know, because I just open up TikTok and it shows me stuff. And I assume that based on other things that I do and how I interact with TikTok, it shows me more stuff that it thinks I will engage with more, right? right. Okay. As far as I know, you cannot say, hey, TikTok, feed me the songs that are most popular. So I don't even know how you would use TikTok. I suppose you could go and follow people who act the way that you want. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be a great experiment. I, yeah. I should I should propose doing that and like writing about it. That would actually be a very interesting well, exercise, I think. Well, because most of what people use, the way people use TikTok is mostly for the For You page, which is informed by people that you are following, but is largely like half not people you're following is just stuff that yeah. you would like. One of the things I like best on TikTok is just like, I follow probably like seven people who just eat fast food stuff and tell me how good it is or bad it is. I just, Love that. I can't, I'm vegan. I can't eat 98% <laughs> of it, but watching like Wayne Dang, like this fucking guy, like go to CC's pizza. And by the way, Wayne, I'm just, this is just sending a shout out to Wayne. There's no way everything at CC's pizza was as good as you said it was. I've watched all your reviews. I know you got paid by them. You do not do that to your followers, Wayne. Wow. I, need, I need a real review of how you felt about CC's pizza. But uh, I do enjoy. You're just making enemies left and right on this podcast. Uh, Steph, what's her name? And this guy are just going to come after you after this. Yeah, Steph. Steph, Steph was already my enemy. So. So uh, Wayne Dang, I love Wayne Dang's content. Love it. So anyway, well, I uh, I appreciate you, AU. There is, um, yeah. I've been in a uh, I've been in a good music groove lately, and to hear that. my uh, one of my favorite new metal bands of all time decided to make a comeback, Taproot, and they have a song that I will send you right after this is a rock hit. Cause I don't even know the lyrics to my favorite. This song is fucking smash, man. Like it might be the it might be the catchiest song they've ever written. But I love it. Okay. But they came back. Uh, they put out a record. I kind of like that. Well, you send me that, and I will send you the Mike Shinoda solo song that came out oh, yesterday. I saw Jason actually- write something about it. Is it good? <laughs>
really good. And, and it's not, it's neither new metal nor the sort of like backpackery hip hop stuff that he tends to grab with you on his own. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really neither of those things. It sounds like a sort of, like a, like a kind of down the middle early eights or early aughts alt rock song. Like, I don't really know how to describe it except that it's, it's kind of a banger. Like, I, I think you would like it and I think it would, it would take you by surprise. It definitely took me by surprise. You are a millennial, but. I feel like backpack rap is a Gen X phrase because I say it to millennials like like Mike doesn't know what I'm saying when I say backpack rap. Probably not. Well, I, I speak Gen X even if I yeah. am a millennial, you know, I'm, I'm well studied in these matters. <laughs> the first Fort Minor album was fucking awesome, by the way. The one, the one with Remember the Name on it, that's a yeah, cool well, album. So I, I was having an argument with Jason recently. We were talking about uh, something Fort Minor related. I want you to know it's a little fucked up that I'm stuck here waiting At times debating, telling you that I've had it with you and your career Me and the rest of the family here singing Where'd You Go? And he kept mentioning Where Do You Go is like the big oh, hit off that album without yeah. mentioning Remember the Name and yeah. I was like, man, nobody fucking remembers where'd you go. It's all about remember the name. Like if you look at like the Spotify plays, it's got like ten times as many. Like and, and he he had so he had somehow missed the entire like you remember like the TNT moment for remember yes. the name when it was on like yeah. commercials every two seconds? Yes, yeah, so somehow he knows a lot about like a part, somehow he missed that one. I don't know. I think the difference because now I'm thinking about it, is that I think the difference is is that as far as a song for song consumers Where'd You Go was a bigger hit. Like on the yes. radio, it was a bigger hit. On the charts, it absolutely was. On the yeah. charts, it was a bigger hit. But Remember the Name is such an amazing like sports song and intro song. Like yep. It is, because it's so epic and the, the lyrics are so, you know, kind Ridiculous, of Ridiculous, but, but, yeah, but yeah. fine. But, yeah. but I, I think it exists in a, in a different way uh, as a hit and that has allowed it to have a longer, but every time I hear where it should go, it'll pop up on, you know, on a suggestion on a Spotify playlist for me every once in a while. I'll put it back in. I'll be like, oh, I fucking forgot about this song. But, and I love it, but I never I forgot wish about I could forget about that day. song. No. You don't I, like I, I that can't. song? No, that song's terrible. It sounds awful. I, I, I can't stand that song at all. And, and the, uh, the, the singer on it, who was then known as, I think, Holly Brooke, yes. went on to be known, well, she changed her name to Skylar Gray, or, or maybe oh, that was her name. Oh, that's Skylar Gray? That's Skylar Gray, uh, who did like several of like the worst Eminem songs. And like, what? no, like, you, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of Holly Brooke slash Skylar Gray's contributions to popular music no offense to her i'm sure she's swell but I, I, I she sings on coming home right um yes and you, that was good okay all right thank you that God. was better at least jesus the entire skylar gray pop moment that, that sound <laughs> that feeling I'm, I'm not about it uh, no no offense to her again she, 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 the, i'm sure she's got good stuff but where'd you go is the new metal hip-hop version of faster pussycats house of pain the the song about where is dad is look i love my dad he wasn't around a lot when i was a kid all of his songs connect with me i'm sorry this song's i don't awesome. think i even knew that i did not know that was what house of pain was about i've never really listened to the lyrics very closely to that song oh wasn't i worth the time a boy needs a daddy like a dance to mime 
and all the time, where were you? Oh, come take, on. Take your word for it. No, that, that's fine. Uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll go back and listen to that after I listen to the new Taproot song. Okay, that? I'll send it to you. Right. Thank you. Uh, you can read AU stuff, of course, at Billboard and at uh, the Writes Ricky Sanchez. Writes Ricky Sanchez, and mm-hmm. he he on X is a, at AU. Get off my gold. So yeah, for, for now. Uh, for well, now. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me on. Uh, this has been this has been fun. Thank you, sir. Thank you.